Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. May have had the Jets job at the last 20 seasons. This is by Bob Wischusen, who's going to call the Penn State-Illinois game tomorrow. He is absolutely one of the best in the business, whether it's football, hockey, golf, whatever it may be. Bob, welcome. Great to have you with us. Too kind. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime. Okay, so you've got this game coming up tomorrow, uh, Penn State-Illinois. What is your initial read going in based on conversations and the prep work you've been able to do? Well, I mean, it's the opposite of what any broadcaster hopes for. You like to call games that are dramatic, but I do not expect a lot of drama in this game. I mean, like Penn State's just way better than Illinois. So I think they are every bit the three-touchdown favorite or thereabouts that I've seen them listed as all week. And we'll just see who's a quarterback. I mean, that, that'll, you know, at least I think initially impact what kind of a game we have. But if Clifford plays, then, um, you know, I, I expect we're going to have to pull out our filler material mm. in the second half. I, I don't see how Illinois keeps this game very close. Who knows? College football, these are 18 to 22-year-olds, so anything can happen. But, uh, but yeah, just looking at it on paper, I mean, this, this, this should be, you know, the, the only way I think Penn State um, keeps this game close or at least allows Illinois to stay in the game is if they get sloppy and it's one of those, you know, look-past games because they're getting ready for next week. Right. Uh, what, what's the best team you think you've seen so far in six, seven weeks? Boy, in person, it, I mean, this will probably be right up there. Um, you know, I think Penn State is as good as anyone that we have seen, if not better, than anyone we have seen in person. Um, we called Cincinnati last week, and I know Cincinnati does not have really any opportunities left, maybe outside of SMU, to play an opponent that really is a litmus test. Um, they could easily not make the playoff, even if they run the table, based on how things shake out in the Power Five conferences. But they're really good. I mean, Desmond Ritter's really good. Their defense is really good. Um, so I, I think they're legit. Like, I think Cincinnati would be a contender even in a Power Five conference. But, I mean, when Penn State has all their guys, especially when the quarterback's healthy, right. um, you know, their, their defense is as good as anybody we've seen this season. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about Cincinnati since you had a chance to see them. What kind of athleticism do you think they have? I know Ritter's been there forever, it feels like. And I like the nose guard, by the way, is really good. Um, and they're, they're not only that, the receivers, especially the one receiver, is a big receiver. That gave, that gave Indiana a lot of trouble when they played them. Um, but what kind of athleticism does Cincinnati bring to the table, in your opinion, Bob? Yeah, I think their athleticism is more on the defensive side than the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think their offensive line is really solid. It's a pretty athletic offensive line. Their skill guys, as you said, bring, I think, more size and strength than crazy athleticism to the table. Their, their backs are really good, and Ritter yeah. is a very dynamic quarterback. I mean, he, he can make all the throws. Um, I really do think that he projects well as an NFL prospect with where NFL football is now going. All of that, you know, kind of spread college stuff, that DNA is now in the NFL. But the, the, 
I think the spot they're most athletic at is corner. Yes. If you look at the like they have the ability, I think, with their two corners to just flat out lock down the two best receivers for the opposition at times without even needing any safety help over the top. And now as a defensive coordinator, I mean it's almost limitless the different things that you can do with especially on third down with different blitz looks and whatnot, because you know, you know you've got two guys out there that as long as, you know, they do their job, they're mostly going to take away without even needing any help whoever you want to throw the ball to. Yeah, in fact, when I was getting ready to broadcast the Penn State-Indiana game, I watched the Indiana-Cincinnati tape. Saw the same thing you did. Corners are, are both lockdown guys. Usually there's a lockdown guy. I thought they had two of them. I mean, I thought both guys fell into that category. Yeah, I think I think both of those kids are, you know, going to be, you know, if not first-round picks, certainly very early day two draft choices. All right. Uh, now, for you, you got this, and then you're going to have the Jets. So, how do you, how do you, and then eventually there's going to be hockey in here. How are you dividing up your week when you get to these weeks? Because, you know, every once in a while the Jets will have a bye week or whatever. So, how do you divide up your prep time between what you do with the Jets and what you do with college? Yeah, I actually just called my first hockey game this past week, uh, first one in. I ballparked it at somewhere between 13 and 14 years, so it was nice to shake the rust off. Um, <laughs> Capitals Avalanche this past week. Uh, this yeah. Tuesday, I'm calling Sharks Predators. So um, we're getting a pretty good cross section of the league. And as you know, like hockey's a playoff sport. I mean, you, yeah. you want to call as many games as you can, and the regular season is fun. And if you're a hockey fan, you really. You know, I mean, you just like the game, and I just love the game. I would watch, you know, preseason games because I love the sport. But it really is – I really am hoping to get a look at as many teams as I possibly can so that regardless of what my playoff assignment is, teams I've seen. Um, right. That's when really the most eyeballs comes to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Penn State and, and Illinois start sending you stuff on Monday morning, you know, if not Sunday afternoon. The first few emails start coming through, so – I've been getting ready for tomorrow since then. Um, and really what I try to do is, at the end, like, if I can put as much football prep behind me as possible by the time I get to, say, yesterday or this morning, I can actually start to look ahead to my Tuesday night hockey game so that way I don't fall too behind. Because even when I'm at the hockey game getting ready on Monday and Tuesday, the college football prep will start to roll in and you can't fall too behind too far behind on that obviously I mean there, there's nothing nothing in our business and I've done it all there's nothing in our business that compares to preparing for college football college right. football is by far the monster of all of the assignments you'll get um, you know in terms of prep it's you know you get 70 guys on each team that see the field and uh, in the NFL you might not see 70 guys total in the whole game of the two teams combined you know, um, there are going to be 75 guys on each sideline in college football that gets on the field, and they change all the time. Right. You know, like the, I mean, if I had had Penn State, you know, a year or two ago, all right, great. I mean, Clifford was on the team, but, you know, Trace McSorley. Like, I wouldn't, you know, so, like, <laughs> it's not right. like even a lot of the information that you get from year to year carries over in college football. Last year, right. I had Clemson a couple of times. And it's great that I had Clemson again to start this season. 
but there's no Trevor Lawrence, no Travis Etienne. Like I'm, I'm starting over with you know. So it, it, college football, you have to try and, and stay ahead of the curve because you can fall behind quickly. Uh, now, for me, obviously, uh, what my 22nd season working with Jack Ham, boom. My 18th season on basketball working with Dick Girardi, boom. Now you've had Marty Lyons forever. So between Marty Lyons, but then you go to Doug, and you got Cassie Campbell. What does it take for you just to go from person to person, especially if somebody's new to you? Now Marty's not, but new, new to you know to how you do things and how they do things. Yeah, I mean there's a feeling out process, but I said this to our bosses after our first hockey game this past week, um, and I'm not sure how many people you know in, in your listening audience or even in the states is familiar with with Cassie Campbell, but she won two gold medals. Uh, you know, as a, an Olympian for Team Canada for the women's team. And she's worked for Sportsnet up there for, I don't know, at least five or six years. I mean, she's been involved with Hockey Night in Canada. Like, you could tell, and I'm sure you as a broadcaster can tell, yep. that the first two or three minutes of a game, when your partner, even without having developed that chemistry and work with them yet, just instinctively chimes in at the right time, I mean, I looked over at her, and I could go, oh, and you've done this before. Like, I could tell. Yep. Like, you just know how this works. Um, yep. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, we're blessed at ESPN, obviously, where, you know, a lot of people would like to work at ESPN, and they can be pretty choosy sometimes with who they bring in. So it's rare that they're going to bring somebody in that doesn't have a pretty good understanding of what we're doing. I mean, occasionally you're going to – Along those lines, somebody that's, you know, kind of like RG3 this year is working for us on college right. football. And yep. this is his first foray into this. And he's going right from never having done games before right on to ESPN. Um, and I've had that a few times. And, yeah, there's an adjustment. And, and it's amazing sometimes, those guys, how inquisitive they are because they know they haven't done it before about wanting to do it well and wanting to do it right. And they ask questions and they take co- – I mean, they're used to taking coaching. They spent their whole lives being coaches. <laughs> right. So, you know, that helps as well. Yeah, exactly. And Cassie, of course, is a pro's pro. Anybody who's been around knows she is. Uh, yep. I have to ask you about the Jets. Um, don't drive off the road. Uh, but I have to ask you about the Jets. Uh, what is – now, look, he's got, a, he's got a career in front of him, and there will be obviously adjustments and speed of the game to get used to. What's the initial read you have on Zach Wilson? Uh, that he has every tool in the toolbox and that he can make every throw. Um, you, we've seen some flashes. I mean, if you, if anybody saw the highlights of that Titans game and some of the throws he made, um, you, you can understand seduced by the talent and why they drafted him. Um, you know, he's got this kind of, you know, like an I got this quality about him where he knows he's at it, but he's going through it right now. He's being a rookie in the NFL. And I think there are probably times where he looks out at the defense and it must look to him like there are 17 guys over there playing defense. It's just, you know, that's the way it works in the NFL. But in the preseason, when especially with only three preseason games this year and coming off the COVID year, most teams just didn't play their guys in the preseason games. But the Jets are extraordinarily young. They played their guys. 
Zach Wilson looked really good because he was playing with starting NFL players on his side of the ball against pretty much nothing but backups for the opposition and now end at preseason speed. Now it's regular season speed with the regular season starters, and you can tell it's a lot of, like, wow, this is now we're in. Now it's the NFL. And, and a lot of the guys around him are young, too. You know, his number one running back is Michael Carter. He's a rookie. Um, his number one training camp target was Elijah Moore. He's a rookie. Um, you know, so I think they're all going through it. But, uh, you know, it's just life as a rookie in the NFL, and he just has to suffer through it. I, I think as the season goes on, though, by the time we get to December, I really think you're going to see a different kid. And I think he's he's going to show everybody by the time the year's over that there's a reason to think there are blocks to build on with his career. Robert Sal at one point early out, I think his first time out was being on the Michigan State staff for a couple of years, so he actually coached, you know, or at least was a part of Penn State games that we were doing. But this is his first time through as a head coach. So what are you seeing from him? Um, exactly what you would think a first-time head coach would be going through with a rookie quarterback, too. Right? He, yeah. He's kind of learning how to manage this thing. And it's funny, not even just him. I mean, he brought Jeff Ulbricht with him as the defensive coordinator. Well, I had Jeff Ulbricht several times in college at UCLA. He was mm-hmm. out there with Jim Mora. He was a defensive coordinator called plays, but never before in the NFL. Uh, Mike LaFleur is the Jets' offensive coordinator. He's never before been a play caller in the NFL. So in terms of even being the play caller, you got a, two rookie coordinators, a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, a bunch of rookie skill players, a very young secondary. And I think they're all kind of figuring it out as they go along. But the one thing I would say about, about the, you know Robert Sala is he's very much the CEO leader of men, head coach type. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the guy that's got the splitter on the headset so he can be in the offensive conversations, the defensive conversations, and he is omnipresent on the sideline. So, I mean, and when I say omnipresent, I mean, like, on the field, you know. He's not Rex Ryan, all right, I'm going to go coach the defense, and hey, like Brian Schottenheimer, you're coaching the offense, go get him, best of luck. I'll be over here with the defense, and I'll chime in from time to time, or even Adam Gates. So he was all offense yep. and gave Greg Williams the defense. That That's not Robert Stein. That's not what they wanted. They wanted to bring in a guy that was going to be, um, you know, the, the the head coach of the whole team, and and he is that. And I, I think the players have responded to that. Yep. Somebody I trust, Paul Pozlesny, Salah coached him when he was a Jacksonville position coach. He said, great presence. You know, you hear that, you know, from somebody you trust like that tells you a lot. Bob, yeah, there were, I mean, yeah. when, when he was hired, there were a bunch of guys, like I remember Richard Sherman was at the top of the list. A bunch of guys kind of unsolicited came out on social media and said things like, hey, way to go, coach. Jets got a good one. Congratulations. Yeah. Deserve this. You know, I mean, you could tell, like, guys don't have to do that. And when guys did that, that said something, I think, about what he's been as a coach with, you know, with guys that he's had on other teams. Excellent. Excellent point. Bob, pleasure. Look forward to seeing you up in the box tomorrow. Thanks so much for your time. Safe trip. No worries. Thanks for having me.